Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only programme from RNZ Sport. I'm Richard Wayne. This week, Val Adams and Nick Willis headline the athletics team named for Rio, while Dylan Schmidt is set to be the first New Zealand trampolinist to compete at an Olympics. There are more accolades for the All Blacks. The Black Caps are taken by surprise by India's plans for a day-night pink ball test. Calls continue for New Zealand teams to be dropped from netball's trans-Tasman competition. And Auckland City and Team Wellington square off in the Oceania Champions League football final. First up, 10 New Zealand athletes have been named in the initial track and field squad for the Rio Olympics. The team includes a mix of experience and young talent with three athletes, shot putter Valerie Adams, 1500 metres runner Nick Willis and javelin thrower Stuart Farquhar to compete at their fourth Olympics. Six athletes will be attending their first games. One of them is Jacko Gill. The Aucklander shot to fame six years ago when he broke Usain Bolt's record as the youngest gold medalist at a World Junior Championships. Gill was just 15 years old. He's also consistently been inside the top 10 in the men's shot put on the world athletics scene for the past 12 months. RNZ reporter Matt Chatterton found out that the 21-year-old isn't just handy with the shot put. Gill's also a keen chilli man. Yeah, yeah, I've been growing chilies for a long time. I have pretty weird hobbies and, you know, I run into growing chilies. So, yeah, I've been into it for a couple of years now. And, yeah, I'm just trying to work my way up into eating the hottest, hottest chili in the world. So I'm well on my way to, towards my goal, but, yeah, I'm getting there. Yeah, all right, so you've got, um, yeah, you've got these chilies. Yeah. How hot are they at this point? Because they go on, like, scales, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they've yeah, they got a scale. And, um, yeah, um, I think, I don't know exactly, but it was, like, three or four hundred times hotter than a jalapeno, the one that, the hottest one in the world, so it's a fair amount, and um, yeah, I've been, yeah, trying to trying to eat it, but it's just too hot for me at the moment, so yeah. Are you going to take any to Brazil, are they sort of like iron power to help you on the <laughs> shot put? Yeah, I sometimes have them on protein shake, just to like really kickstart things before training, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds uh, sounds delightful having chilies in your uh, in your protein shake. Anyway, um, you, you're going to the uh, going to the Olympics. You've uh, competed all over the world. Uh, last year at the uh, at Worlds, you came about ninth, was it? And then eighth, yeah, and yeah. then eighth, uh, and then ninth of the indoors this year. Yeah. What sort of uh, what sort of is the goal for, for Rio? Uh, to make the final again would be absolutely awesome. And yeah, I just soak it up really and enjoy the, the moment. But yeah, to get to make the final would be absolutely awesome. So I think it's top top twelve for the final and. You know, if you can make the top eight again after that, that'll be even more special. So, yeah. Going up against a fellow countryman, does that sort of help you help your drive, I guess, to succeed? Yeah, it does. You know, with him being the favourite, it's it's just awesome to have that that support in there, and you know that he's from your own country. It's pretty pretty special. So, yeah, it's great to have him there, and you know that it's possible, and it's something for me to aim towards. Nice. How far behind Tom? Are you? you're not that far, are you? Oh, sometimes, you know, I'm pretty far and sometimes it's a bit closer and, you know, it changes. But, you know, if I 
it feels like a you know a bad day and I have a real good day. You know, we're kind of close. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Uh, what do you think is going to be sort of a medal contending uh, distance in, in this year's shot put? I think I have no idea actually. Uh, I think last time it was someone said it was twenty one and oh something or twenty one ten. So yeah. might be around there. But I think it's shot put's pretty strong this year. So maybe. I've had to guess, like maybe twenty one fifty, I'd say. Yeah. Nice. And um, you're. Uh, I was just saying to Eliza, you guys are sort of the young bucks in the group, you know, the yeah. young fellas. And you got the likes of Stuart Farquhar here, who's been to four Olympics. Yeah. Do you sort of call on them for advice a little bit uh, going over there, just to know what to experience at such a big event? Yeah, definitely. You know, I love all those you know old athletes, and they've done so well and been so great for our sport and served us for such a long time. So it's just been awesome. Be nice too, and. And Val and everyone involved, just been absolutely awesome to, to have them there. And the support's great, you know, they're, they're always willing to offer help, you know, and they're really good to the young guys. And they're just, they're just willing to help, they're just wanting to help you, and that's just the greatest, greatest thing. And, you know, for all our Eliza and all the young people coming up, Angie, it's just great to, to have them. And also, you mentioned the Val, you know, someone who's been on the shot football stage for a long time. Were you planning on going to see her yourself when she's performing, or will that clash with your schedule at all? Oh, hopefully, I actually don't know the schedule, so. I think she may be on at the start of the uh, program and maybe on towards the end, so hopefully I'll be able to get, get up there and watch her. But, I mean, it's just a dream come true to actually sit there watching it when you, you know, you're watching on TV for, you know, for a heap of years, you know, my whole life I've been watching her in, <laughs> at the Olympics, so it's been pretty cool to, to um, be actually watch her live. So. Well, you get to, you know, soak it in a little bit when you actually get there and into the arena and you're like, holy moly, I'm here, yeah. I'm actually here. Yeah, I think it would be a little bit of that, and, you know, I've... <laughs> I've been like working my way towards this for such a long time that uh, you know, I'd, I want it to be special and to actually soak it up and enjoy it. Jack O'Gill talking to Matt Chatterton on Extra Time. New Zealand's newest Olympic qualifier, Dylan Schmidt, says he still hasn't come to terms with what he's achieved. The 19-year-old finished second at the Rio 2016 test event this week and he sealed his place at August's Rio Games in the process. No New Zealanders made the Olympic field since trampolining joined the gymnastics program back in 2000 in Sydney. Schmidt told Morning Report's Susie Ferguson he's looking forward to getting back to Rio, but this time to compete for an Olympic medal. Over the moon, can't, uh, can't have asked for anything, uh, for it to go any better really. I mean, I just had a good day and... All the hard work kind of paid off and then it all happened, so I was pretty happy. So you've got this silver medal. Going into the competition, did you have a, a chance, did you have a, a thought that you might end up on a podium? I mean, it wasn't really my goal. My goal was to, to go there and to qualify, so I wasn't really um, worried about a medal. But yeah, I guess once I got into, uh, into the finals, yeah, I mean, I was, I, was, I was gunning for a medal for sure. And so there must have been a point that you realised you were in with a shout. It must have been a fantastic feeling. Yeah, I mean, my, after prelims, I had, I think, the, the third highest um, vol score. So that kind of, you know, obviously, if I did the same thing in finals, it should really put me on the podium. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I was definitely thinking about it in, in finals, but not so much in prelims. Prelims, was, was the goal was to just kind of get top five and um, qualify. And what's it like being over there and actually going through this competition, what, four months out from the Olympics? Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Uh, the facility and stuff is, is all good. I think they've definitely um, got some work to do on some stuff. But, I mean, yeah, it all ran pretty smoothly. And um, it's, it's good to kind of test out the venue and see, see how it all goes before we, I come back in four months to, to compete. Some of the people that have already qualified, they don't um, get to come here. So, yeah, it's good. Are you getting used to saying that when I come back to compete at the Olympics? Yeah, it's pretty hard actually. It doesn't roll off the tongue quite as easy <laughs> as it should, but 
Um, I'm slowly coming to grips with, with that I'm definitely coming back. What has been the reaction of your friends, of your family to this win? It's been awesome. I mean, they've supported me. Everyone around me has kind of, you know, backed me 100%. And they all kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say they expected it, but they all kind of would say, oh, you, you know, you're going to the Olympics and stuff. I'm like, well, you haven't really actually got there yet. And, you know, it's not that easy. But they're definitely um, there to support me. And they're, they're all pretty stoked and really keen to catch up. What kind of preparation do you have to do now ahead of the Games? Pretty much the same as what I've been doing um, for the last, I don't know, eight years, you know. I just keep training. I don't really have an off season, so just keep training year year round and and just um, kind of yeah, just I guess take that next step to try and get myself into the top eight at the Olympics. So that's really just uh, come home and straight back into some hard training. How did you figure out you were good at this? Probably my coach after my first World Championships. I think when I was twelve, I came away and I, I won that competition, and I was kind of like oh, and she kind of sat me down and said, you know, you should think about taking it you know more seriously and and make it your main sport because back then I was obviously you know playing rugby and tennis and a whole whole bunch of other sports so I kind of put them aside and, and really started to focus on tramp and I guess that's when I started really wanting to be good at it and and that's where it all, all happened there and so the first New Zealand trampolinist to actually qualify for the Olympics that's a pretty big achievement yeah it's definitely uh, pretty special to be the first person to, to do anything is is, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty happy to, to be that guy and obviously ho hopefully this will kind of put trampolining on, on the map back home and hopefully it'll, more people you know start doing it because it's such a great sport and just not only the competition aside, you know, but just the, just, it's a whole lot of fun, you know, you meet, meet a lot of people and you get to travel and so, yeah, it's just all around a, a pretty good sport in my opinion. New Zealand trampolinist Dylan Schmidt on RNZ's Morning Report. This is Extra Time. Coming up, can the New Zealand netball teams all be maintained in the Trans-Tasman competition? The All Blacks win the Big Laureus Team Award, and we preview the Oceania Champions League football final. New Zealand cricket says plans for a day-night pink ball test against India have come as a complete surprise. Indian officials have announced they'll play the test against New Zealand when the Black Caps tour there in October. NZ Cricket Operations Manager Lindsay Crocker told our Stephen Hewson they weren't aware a pink ball test was on the cards. We're still waiting for the tour programme, so that was the first announcement we've had really, and it was quite a definitive one, but you know, from our side there's a few things we would need to understand first. So it's an exciting prospect having said that, but there's a few things we'd need to understand first before we're comfortable with the, with the notion. So it's uh, not a fait accompli at this point? No, um, as I say, a few things we need to understand and be comfortable with before uh, we could be agreeable to that. But um, on the face of it, it's an exciting prospect. Being the first day-night test match in Asia, um, to be involved in that would be great. But, you know, there's a few things I think that we need to have to understand first before we could agree to that. What, what would those things be? Well, we'd need to understand which ground they're going to use because light, strength and capability is, is, is an important uh, variable. We know that. Um, we need to understand a little bit more about um, the prevailing pitch conditions. We know in Indi India they tend towards the abrasive style pitches and that we know and understand has an impact on the durability of the ball. We need to understand the due issues. We also need to understand from the player's point of view what will be involved in the lead-up. Um, I understand India is looking to trial the matches with Dilip Trophy, uh, the, one of the domestic competitions, which is great. She'll give them some learnings, but equally for our guys going there, uh, we'd need to understand what preparation, whether that's a, a warm-up game or what practice 
uh, is available to them. How frustrating is it when the other country comes out and says the test is going ahead, but obviously it hasn't actually even been confirmed? I don't think it's frustrating. It was interesting to us because that was the first of the tour arrangements that we'd heard of. But what we find with when we deal with India in particular, we find that the tour arrangements are often a little slower than we're used to from other countries, but then all of a sudden it comes in a rush and not necessarily in the order that we'd like to see it. Uh, Normally you'd discuss tour dates and the venues and so on and then discuss the conditions of the matches such as you know, the pink ball one, but this has come around the other way. So I suppose it was a uh, it was a surprising announcement in one sense, but nonetheless, it's an exciting possibility for us. So we just got a bit of work to do, really, before we can actually commit to it. NZ Cricket Operations Manager, Lindsay Crocker. Netball and football still to come on Extra Time. Former All Blacks captain Richie McCaw says the Laureus Sports Award for Team of the Year rates as one of the more special prizes he's received in his career. The All Blacks pipped Champions League winners Barcelona, NBA champs the Golden State Warriors and Formula One team Mercedes, among others, to take out best team, while Dan Carter won the Comeback of the Year award. McCaw spoke to Stephen Hewson shortly afterwards. Well, this one's uh, pretty special when you, you know, think about the context in which you uh, you know, you get it with, you know, they picked out of all sports around the world to be the main team of the year. Um, you know, you think about a little country, you know, we're obviously pretty excited about being at the top of the, the rugby uh, tree, but to be actually picked out of some of these other teams in the world is pretty special. So, uh, no, it's been a pretty cool night. Barcelona, Golden State Warriors, it, it is quite a who's who of, of the sporting world. Absolutely. And I've been lucky enough to, to get the odd award uh, over the years and you, know, you get up and you make a speech for the rest. I got up to keep that award and look down and see, you know, Djokovic and Lewis Hamilton and it was quite intimidating, you know, but uh, that sort of bit, you know, comes up here to be a, a bit tougher even than leading the All Blacks out at times. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. But, you know, like uh, as I say, a little country, you know, to get recognised in the world stage like this, um, it's very, very special. So uh, we must be pretty proud. And did you get to rub shoulders with a few of those those big names? Have you had a chat with with some of them? Uh, well, I've just been down to Ian Botham, so it was pretty cool. And I, I met down for lunch yesterday, Kathy Freeman and Steve War. So you know, things like that, you know, you, you sort of you know, I don't know, a mutual respect and uh, stuff. So, but uh, yeah, we just got down in a in a meal and stuff like that. So. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to uh, be in a room with uh, some of these uh, sort of uh, superstars. Did you give yourself or the All Blacks much of a chance? I mean, w- when you go along to these awards, what are you thinking? I had no idea, to be honest. Because you've been nominated before, but you, you wonder, you know, like where people are judges, you know, tip uh, rugby in the, the global context. But um, just to be actually uh, along, you know, their name along, you know, they're alongside Barcelona and Mercedes from the one team and things like that, like, that's pretty special in itself, so probably not one, you know, but just to be here and, and, and be nominated is, uh, is pretty cool. And Dan Carter, comeback of the year. Well, it actually kept up a pretty good year him, doesn't it? And, and like, when you think about, you know, what he went through to missing out on the, 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 the finals in 2011 and that's now the head in between, you know, we all sort of recognise you know, how great it was for the guy, but to have them recognised on a, on a work stage like this is serious.
Richie McCaw speaking from Berlin. We think he said serious at the end there. Apologies for the quality of the phone line. And Dan Carter's top year continues. Fresh off his laureus comeback of the year gong, the former All Black, who now plays for Paris Club Wrestling 92, has been nominated for the European Player of the Year Award. The 15-man shortlist also includes former All Blacks wing Charles Piatow and former Hurricanes number 8 Thomas Waldrum. The former West Coast Fever netball coach and Australian commentator Sue Gordian says some New Zealand teams must be cut to save the Trans-Tasman competition. On average, the New Zealand teams have made a poor start to the ANZ Championship, with only the Southern Steel in the top four on the overall point standings. Three of the five New Zealand teams are winless after three games, and an Australian side's won all but one of the eight titles so far. Gordian told Morning Report's Susie Ferguson there needs to be more Australian teams and fewer from New Zealand. We're in our ninth year of the ANZ Championship and, I mean, you only have to look at the results and the results tell us that the Australian sides have dominated. Beyond the Magic, who won one championship, Australia have won seven others, even in terms of number of finals that New Zealand have played in. So no doubt there are some fantastic quality athletes that play for New Zealand. But when you start talking about the number of teams and the number of players required to reach a certain standard, I think currently the question has to be begged whether or not New Zealand have too many teams. How would you like to see the competition change? The, the way that I look at this is if you go back nine years when this competition first started, Australia and New Zealand sat down together and said, right, let's do something different. And at that particular point in time, it suited both countries to head in a particular direction. We're now nine years on down the track and it's probably fair to say that the two countries are now in different predicaments. So to agree on a way forward almost seems impossible. One or the other isn't going to be happy with the direction. And so that's why I say, you know, maybe Australia need to head in their own direction if they can't come to a mutually satisfying situation and agreement with Netball New Zealand. I would love to see a trans-Tasman competition remain, but I agree that there would probably need to be an additional one or two teams coming from Australia and definitely a drop of one or two teams from New Zealand. Do you think then that the conference system at the very least should be scrapped? Absolutely and I I don't stand back from saying that and and for a number of reasons to be honest Susie I think first and foremost the conference system isn't a fair system in terms of any teams both Australia and New Zealand when you have a look at a team that makes a conference final might have a 48 hour turnaround to play from final one to final two against a side that's had six or seven days off I can't I, I just don't see how that's even fair so that's number one and number two I, I think it just it begs mediocrity I think that you know if you were to join the two conference tables together at the end of last season, I think you'd see that the true answer was that more Australian sides would have made finals than New Zealand sides. So I just beg the question, what is it really trying to achieve? Are we trying to put teams in that possibly don't deserve to be in a final just to keep everybody happy? That's not competition for me. Is there a danger here that this could become a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy, that the competition in New Zealand would be eroded and would be reduced and therefore you'd see a smaller number of really decent players coming through? 
just say for, you know, conversation's sake, New Zealand were to drop one or two teams in the coming years. Yes, it might mean in the short term that it decreases the number of athletes playing at that level, but we're talking about quality. So if quality teams are playing and the league underneath starts to do the job that it should do, what's to say that New Zealand wouldn't be able to increase the number of teams down the track? It might be a short-term answer for a long-term solution. That's the former West Coast Fever netball coach, Sue Gordian, speaking to Susie Ferguson. Finally, for this episode of Extra Time, Team Wellington football coach Matt Kelkett says the group stage of the Oceania Champions League has given his side a wake-up call. After beating current OFC champions Auckland City in the National Premiership last month, Kelkett says there was a feeling in the side that they didn't have to work as hard at the current tournament in Auckland. But that's now changed, and Calcott told Stephen Hewson that he knows Auckland will be looking for revenge. Really excited to have another final against Auckland. It was the third final, and um, you know, and just on 12 months now against Auckland. So, um, you know, from our point of view, obviously, we, you know, we were very, very keen to get to the grand final, um, and also very respectful of of what's around the island nations because a number of those teams are getting, you know, much, much better and improving, and uh, you know, guys that. Teams are assigning a number of pros to complement the local players now, so the competition really has gone up a notch. And uh, so, get to the final, you know, 12 months on when when I think the tournament has improved is um, you know is is fantastic for the club. Now, Auckland are obviously on a what six run for the, this title. Um, what do you think is different or, or different that Team Wellington can do to end that? Oh, we can take a little bit of confidence from a month or so ago in the the Asbury Premiership Grand Final. We, um, you know, we did win that match. Um, we can take a bit of confidence from, you know, the the final in Fiji, where, you know, it was just a matter of inches, you know, on penalties. So, you know, we're we're really really close, and, uh, you know, although we're you know not quite there, you know, financially and resource wise, you know, the, the players that we're you know putting out on the park at the moment are. Uh, you know, are always keen to to ensure that their performances for the franchise are you know are almost 150 percent to be honest. Do you feed off that underdog status? Absolutely, you know, absolutely, and uh, you know that's a big, it's a hallmark of of the sides that we've had in the last two or three years, and uh, you know it's just 11 v 11 on uh, on Saturday, and without sounding too cliche, I mean it it really is just on the day, obviously we'll set some things up technically, but, you know, performance is key and, uh, you know, we've got a number of big players as well who have been there before and uh, and Alex, you know, uh, Fenaritas and, and Chris Bale and Louis Corrales who have, you know, won the Champion League Grand Final and we'll, uh, we'll lean on their um, experience as we get into Saturday. What what approach do you take to, to your players? What, what do you try and tell them? I don't think we go too far off um, what our principles are, and uh, you know, probably in the semi-final we we didn't quite get there, but that, you know that's okay. I mean, semi-finals are about the result. Um, to be honest with you, not necessarily about the performance. Um, so from our side, we don't go too far away from our principles. I think a number of teams um, at the tournament and also in the national league have probably you know backed off. Uh, we just want to get on the front foot, play higher up the park, and uh, put a bit of pressure on uh, on on Auckland, and uh, and we'll see where that takes us. Have you picked up anything extra, do you think, from watching Auckland and their matches at this tournament so far? No, not really. Um, I mean, we've obviously played against them on a number of occasions this year and uh, and, and watched them last year as well. So, you know, nothing changes too much. I think it's really a, a lot of it, um, you know, from a from a system perspective, is, is being done and dusted between the, the two coaches and the two franchises. 
Um, you know, there may be the odd surprise tomorrow, but I think really it's it's it's, uh, it's uh, individual matchups are pretty key uh, as we lead into Saturday. No doubt they'll be using that ASB Premiership title match as a, as a motivator too. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's you know that's that's the. Uh, I mean, you know, after the grand final, I mean, there was a there's a period where you know at training, you know, we needed to stay on top of things. You know, it's the first little bit of success at national level for some players, and uh, and you know they'll definitely be using it as motivation. But I think we've we've gone through a period in the group stages where we've we've got through the they're thinking that well maybe we don't need to do as much as we were doing to get as far as we need to go and uh, and that's certainly not the case and uh, you know although we're a little bit scratchy in group stages I think we've um, you know we've done what we've needed to do to get to the final and uh, and now it's really ensuring that uh, out of position especially um, you know we're we're right you know we're, we're top notch to be honest. What would it mean for Team Wellington to to achieve this? Yeah, look, I, it, it's huge. I mean, you know, Team Wellington is just a, a, a little franchise based out in, in at Dave Farrington Park in Miramar. There, um, you know, they are the pathway of of um, you know of footballers, amateur footballers in the central region. So to take that to to the next level, not only on a on a from a playing perspective, but from a financial and and you know even just from an exposure, you know, from all the exposure that you're getting. Um, from that point of view, I think it would be, you know, absolutely brilliant. And uh, and you know, I mean, you see what Auckland have built um, year on year, been in it um, over the last one or five years. They really have built a, a you know, a bit of a legacy there. And uh, and you know, so it's only really 90 minutes. I don't think we need to get, you know, uh, as, as far as I'm concerned, we don't need to get too carried away with, you know, the the, the afters. I think from from our point of view, it's. Um, it's ensuring that we're just going to put on a good performance on Saturday and, and what will be will be. Matt Kelkett, the coach of Team Wellington, on Extra Time. And that's the show for this week. Remember, you can always find more sport online at RNZ Sport and our website, rnz.co.nz, and, of course, our regular sports bulletins on the station. I'm Richard Wayne. Ka kite. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.